This podcast was sponsored by Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services. Baba Sobers Wealth Management works with physicians, medical practices, and hospitals, providing comprehensive wealth management services for individuals and institutions. Visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC. This episode is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. Go to adhs.gov or to learn more about substance use disorder, check out azhealth.gov slash hopeheals. Patients are the ones who are at risk from expanded, unwarranted scope of practice, and they are the ones whose interests and whose voices policymakers really need to hear about and really are going to move them on this issue. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. Our guest is Dr. Marilyn Heine. She is a clinical assistant professor at Drexel University College of Medicine and an emergency physician and hematologist oncologist whose clinical practice is in Southeast Pennsylvania. She is the immediate past chair of the American Medical Association's Council on Legislation and serves as the council's liaison to the AMA Scope of Practice Partnership Steering Committee. She is also a subject matter expert on scope of practice. For the purpose of this podcast, she is not representing the AMA. Dr. Heine, thank you so much for being on the show. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really our pleasure to uh, speak with you again because you were our guest speaker for our annual dinner of the Maricopa County Medical Society in October of 2021. Thank you very much for being there and thank you for traveling. Absolutely. It was an honor. It was a delight to meet the members of the Maricopa County Medical Society and truly a delight to be able to present and discuss this urgent issue. Well, thank you, ma'am. And and that's why we're coming back together today. Dr. Heine, let's start by discussing what scope of practice means. How would you describe that to listeners? Yeah, so broadly, as it applies to healthcare, scope of practice refers to what a healthcare practitioner is legally permitted to do. So there are In medicine, for physicians, 40 medical and surgical specialties and over 80 subspecialties and specialty boards that help to establish what is within the practice of a given physician specialty. So importantly, physicians complete four years of medical school plus a three to seven year residency program, including 12,000 to 16,000 hours of clinical training with rigorous standardized examinations. And so while all healthcare professionals play an important role in caring for patients, non-physicians have far, far fewer hours of education and training. For example, let's consider nurse practitioners who only have two to three years of education, no residency requirement, 500 to 720 hours of clinical training. And while some programs are bricks and mortar, there has been a rapid expansion of online education over the last several years. And advanced practice nursing programs lack the rigor and time-tested standardizations that medical school and residency have. And let's consider physician assistants whose education is two years with 2,000 hours of clinical care, and that includes no residency requirement. So although they are not practicing 
uh, in their training and trained to practice independently, increasingly non-physicians push to take care of patients without any physician involvement. So for example, also you have optometrists who don't have the education and training to perform any surgery, and yet they seek to do surgery. Other examples are psychologists who want to prescribe psychoactive drugs and pharmacists who want to provide care directly to patients. And they seek to do this expansion through legislation rather than education. And that is critically important to understand that this puts patients at risk. Thank you, Dr. Hanna. And that leads to our next question, the connection with patients. So, right, we often talk about holding the line on scope of practice or sometimes preventing other health professionals from adding to their scope of practice. Can you explain for listeners, why does it matter to physicians and why does it matter to patients? First off, it's important to realize that non-physician clinicians are highly skilled professionals who are essential to the healthcare system. And their education and training simply is not equal to that that is required for fully licensed physicians. They are not trained to practice independently. And there's strong evidence that removing physicians from the healthcare team has resulted in increased healthcare costs due to overprescribing of medications, more referrals of lower quality, and overutilization of diagnostic imaging and other services. And this is particularly a concern when a patient has a high deductible health plan, which is increasingly the case these days. So every team should have a leader, whether it be in sports or other activities, every team should have a leader. And physicians and patients support physician-led healthcare teams. And the patient wins when their healthcare team is led by a physician, since the physician is the one who has the highest level of education and training. So it matters to physicians since we want patients to receive the safest and highest quality care. And patients have said time and again that they want and expect physicians to lead their healthcare teams. In surveys, recurrently, this has been borne out. For example, 95% of voters say it is important for them to have a physician be involved in the diagnosis and treatment decisions. 84% of respondents said that they prefer a physician to have primary responsibility for the diagnosis and management of their healthcare. But Many non-physician practitioners seek to remove physicians from the patient's healthcare team. And a couple of other themes that have been brought up or case examples uh, that it's important to understand to have a good idea of what's going on in terms of different discussions that have taken place. And one is on the rural issue. So in rural areas, we know Non-physicians do not gravitate to those areas. We have studied this. We have geomaps to show that. The American Medical Association has developed geomaps to show that that is the case. And the Graduate Nurse Education Demonstration Project, for example, showed that less than 10% of nurses in that program went into the rural areas. So recurrently, the data shows that expanding scope does not equal expanding access to care. And the AMA research has also shown that non-physician practitioners such as NPs 
are more likely to practice in the same geographic locations as physicians. And this is true even in states that allow nurse practitioners to practice independently. So let's look at Arizona, for example, where nurse practitioners have been assessed to see where they practice. And it was demonstrated previously and currently that they have and continue to be located mainly in and around Phoenix and Tucson. That has not changed. Thank you so much, Dr. Heine. Now, when you look back at the last, say, for example, 10 or 20 years, what would you say have been the largest shifts in scope of practice among non-physician practitioners? So one of the things that has been advanced um, has been this idea of independent practice for nurse practitioners, and that has been enacted in several states. And it's important to realize, like I said just a moment ago, that even in those states where there is that absence of a requirement for a physician to be part of the healthcare team, that they do not migrate or gravitate to the rural areas. And that's been shown in Arizona. Um, One of the things that's been sort of a part of their advocacy program has been this transition to practice and gradually edging up the idea that independent practice is their goal. And the same uh, has been seen more recently for physician assistants. Um, Some states see steps toward loosening the supervisory requirement for physician assistants. And in some states, psychologists are now able to prescribe and optometrists to perform surgery. Um, Interestingly, the Institute of Medicine report in 2010, and now that's called the National Academies of Medicine, in that time, the earlier iteration of the Future of Nursing report was an idea that there should be this sense of collaboration, that it would be a partnership uh, between the physicians and the nurse practitioners or advanced practice nurses. Um, And that's moved to just a removal of the physician from the healthcare team. So that it's very important to realize that that future of nursing report, its initial iteration and subsequent versions has been authored by nurse practitioners, largely from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. So uh, it's important to consider the source of that report when we look at that information. Um, Another issue that has come up is the idea of title misappropriation. So for example, the nurse anesthetists at the national level through their organization decided they should be called nurse anesthesiologists. And that's a huge concern because patients could very easily be confused about that and who is actually providing their care and their level of education and training. Um, Another area, uh, another organization is the physician assistants who decided at the national level that they should be called physician associates. Now consider though, both of those changes to be fully implemented require a change in statute and regulation at the federal and the state level. But the idea that an organization would change its name um, is very concerning and patients need the transparency. So one of the things, for example, uh, is this truth and advertising campaign from the American Medical Association to push for transparency and accountability. And several states have enacted that, including Arizona, 
um, has has a statute on the books for that. Uh, but there's continually this push to from the non physicians to push really an absence of transparency and accountability. One of the other issues that's come up has been this uh, Veterans Affairs Federal Supremacy Project, where the VA's efforts to develop national standards of practice for physicians and other health professionals that would supersede state scope of practice and licensure laws. And the AMA, as well as across what we call the federation, you know, the state and specialty societies, together have expressed dismay that the VA did not provide a transparent process by which the public stakeholders had an opportunity to review and provide meaningful input into the standards of practice and that these would supersede state law or regulation. Um, one of the things that we've also seen um, is the waivers in the pandemic. So that, for example, um, we knew it was all hands on deck with regard to treating the pandemic, but this should not be the way going forward once the pandemic has subsided, because we want to make sure that those patient protections are in place. Another area of interest has been the uh, importance of providing equity. But as we would see it, the patients in rural and underserved areas are often medically vulnerable and very complex in their conditions, largely because of their location and the uh, area in which they live and their access to care. Um, and they should not need to settle for care from someone who provides health care with 3% the clinical training of physicians. So these are some of the themes and the battles that we're uh, involved in, very much an education opportunity and need for us to be out there talking about these issues so that our policymakers know what's in store for their constituents if some of these changes are implemented at the legislative level. Dr. Heine, thank you so much. Folks, we'll take a short break and continue our conversation with Dr. Marilyn Heine regarding scope of practice. We'll be right back. Are you a busy physician who's unhappy in your current practice but has no time to job search? Or is your administrator overwhelmed with work but you're short-staffed and looking for help? InSync Healthcare Recruiters is here to help. We are Arizona's trusted local resource for healthcare staffing. Our recruiting process is streamlined to respect your schedule. We can save you time, effort, and money. Call us today at 602-284-0991 or visit our website at nsyncrecruiters.com. That's nsync, I-N-S-Y-N-C, recruiters.com. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. And our guest today, Dr. Marilyn Heine, speaking about scope of practice. So before the break, we talked about what scope of practice is, why it matters to physicians and patients, and some shifts in scope of practice over the last couple decades. Let's talk now about what's happening today and what are some of the current or potential battles over scope of practice. You mentioned some of these before, but maybe if you could uh, remind listeners or reiterate or talk about something different as well. Sure. So some of the things we had spoken about earlier, and thanks, John, I appreciate that opportunity to reiterate a couple of points. Um, and they are with regard to the push by non-physicians to remove physicians from the team. 
the push by optometrists who are not trained in surgery to perform surgery, and the push by psychologists who are not trained to prescribe psychoactive medications to prescribe them for patients. Um, and overall, this idea that uh, supervision of the physician assistant should be looser than it was intended to be. So, and the nurse practitioners really seeking uh, more states that would allow them to have independent practice. Um, it's very important to realize what the implications are for the patients when these take place. And that's the focus that we have. Um, and so, for example, um, being able to provide care, medical care for uh, patients without any physician involvement, including diagnosing and treating patients and prescribing medications. We see this very much as sort of a crash course toward uh, worsening health outcomes and higher costs. And it's really important that we focus on the patients. And so allowing the advanced practice nurses to practice without any physician collaboration or oversight, one of the things that they've pushed on to make that a more a vocal point for them is the what's called the APRN compact that would supplant state laws. And this is something that came from uh, the national leadership of the organization and uh, the National Conference of State Boards of Nursing to support their efforts to really upend any states where they do not have independent practice so that it would supersede the protections that a given state has in place for the citizens of that state. And so um, that's also a really important area to be cognizant of. It has it needs to get enacted in other states in order for it to go into effect. But the fact that it's even out there is a very big concern. Another area, uh, like we talked about, was title misappropriation. Now, that has to do, like we said, with nurses who are nurse anesthetists being called nurse anesthesiologists or physician assistants who want to be called physician associates. Now, interestingly, in New Hampshire, there was a case where uh, there was something that went up to the state Supreme Court on that very topic of the nurse anesthesiologist. Unfortunately, the ruling from the Supreme Court was in favor of transparency, in favor of not allowing a physician, uh, a physician title such as anesthesiologist to be used by someone who was not a physician so that patients would have that protection and be able to understand who was providing their care. And the AMA and specialty societies were very involved as well as the State Medical Association in order to make sure that those messages got clearly to the Supreme Court as to what the effect would be for the residents of New Hampshire. Um, and we talked about the national effort at the VA level to have national standards of practice with the VA Supremacy Project to have their uh, codes and what their practice standards would be to supersede state scope of practice and licensure laws. And that would really remove some level of accountability as well if the state medical board were just skirted by the Veterans Affairs uh, hospitals and their health system. Um, and so it's, it's very important that we have accountability and transparency. And so, as we said earlier, Arizona is one of the states of many who have truth and advertising legislation in place. It's enacted to help 
ensure that the residents do have a greater understanding. And of course, any law needs to be enforced for it to be effective. Thank you, Dr. Heine. And I think this is probably the most important section and, and the final question for you today. So I want to ask you, what are your tips for listeners to, you know, things that physicians, for, for example, could take to learn more about scope of practice or become an active participant in speaking up for physicians and their patients? So I think one of the very important messages is continued vigilance and engagement. This is not going away. We've seen by the pandemic, it's been ramped up. So it's been an issue for decades and it's increasingly a concern. So our continued involvement in this discussion and informing policymakers about it and what it means because they hear from all different sides. And that brings me to what I like to call the three R's and the five P's. So the three R's are, first R would be relationships. So important to have a relationship with your legislator, whether it be at the state or federal level. And largely scope of practice is a state-based issue, but as we're seeing again, it's, it's also rising in its role at the federal level, but the state-based issue brings us to the state capital. So if we have relationships with our members in the state legislature, that is so important because you can be a resource for them. You can be a trusted individual to whom they will turn to get information and have a better understanding of what this issue is all about. The second R is radar, making sure that your issue stays on the radar screen of your policymaker. And the third R is real, meaning the stories that you tell. If you have a story about someone who had an adverse event because of being seen by a non-physician practitioner, someone who has had an event that you had to then remedy as a physician, something that you played a role or a family member or just other issues in terms of your engagement with patients. So important to put a face on that issue. We have a ton of statistics. They are very compelling, but more more compelling than the numbers are the faces. I always say that stories supersede statistics. So the three R's, relationship radar and making it real. And the five P's, that would be person, you as an individual, can make a huge difference. You can make it yourself as a member of the Maricopa County Medical Society, as a member of the Arizona Medical Association, as a member of the American Medical Association. So those three memberships help drive policy and ensure that your voice is heard when policy is made and messages go forward. Also, we know that, for example, there is the opportunity as a member of ARMA to have, uh, and Maricopa County Medical Society to have an outreach, a grassroots outreach approach that will allow you to weigh in when there's an urgent call for action at the Capitol. So that allows you to know that that is a time where you to, to weigh in, but having a pre-existing relationship with your legislator will allow your voice to be heard more strongly than just the call to action at that moment. So it, it layers that you're, you have that baseline understanding and relationship 
and then an urgent call, your voice will be noticed much more. Um, a second P is educating the public. The public needs to understand what this is all involving and what it means for them in terms of their access to care. A third P is political involvement. Being involved in the political space is very helpful and the political uh, ways that you can do so um, through, again, Maricopa and the uh, Arizona Medical Association, as well as nationally. Um, the last two Ps are very important, particularly because some people might not be used to what it takes to become more of an advocate. And those are perseverance. You might feel you've made a very compelling case, which I'm sure you will have when you speak from the heart, but you need to follow up. You need to remind your policymaker about the issue and what it means. And that will really resonate with them if you follow up, because many times members who are constituents do not necessarily do that. But if you have that longstanding commitment to this issue, it'll make much more of a difference. And the third and the fifth P is to say, stay patient focused. Patients are the ones who are at risk from expanded unwarranted scope of practice. And they are the ones whose interests and whose voices policymakers really need to hear about and really are going to move them on this issue. So again, with the five Ps as a person, engaging the public, being involved in the political environment, perseverance, and being patient focused. And the AMA supports states and advocates at the federal level and continues to stand up for patients who have said time and again, they want and expect physicians leading their healthcare team. And the AMAs work closely with ARMA and increasingly now with Maricopa County Medical Society to ensure that those resources are available and that you understand uh, how working as a team can really be much more effective. The AMA website has key tools and resources. You can simply Google AMA scope of practice and you'll be able to access them. And again, the strong collaboration that AMA has working with state medical and national specialty societies has secured over 100 state legislative victories, stopping inappropriate scope of practice expansion for non-physicians since 2019. There were victories prior to that, but just in the last few years, it's really been an increasing uh, incidence of battles. And so the wins are definitely there. Certainly there have been some that have not been successful, but overriding uh, is the importance of involvement and the potential for success based on that engagement. So the Scope of Practice Partnership has numerous resources, grants, a truth and advertising campaign. The Litigation Center is connected with that, um, as well as physician-led team-based care campaigns. So a lot of great resources. I encourage you to check them out see what you'll be able to use and how you'll be able to connect with your legislator effectively using these important tools. Dr. Hanna, I can't thank you enough. We've received uh, many follow-up questions and requests from members of the Maricopa County Medical Society for updates on scope of practice. It is certainly a hot topic remains so every year. And uh, now, for example, we are in the state legislative session for the state of Arizona 
um, it's certainly something that we're watching closely. Dr. Marilyn Heine is a clinical assistant professor at the Drexel University College of Medicine, an emergency physician and hematologist oncologist whose clinical practice is in southeastern Pennsylvania. Dr. Heine, thank you so much for being on the Arizona Physician Podcast. Delight to be here. Thank you so much. And you can reach me anytime. I'm on Twitter at Marilyn Heine MD, and you can email me through John at Maricopa County Medical Society if you have any questions. Thank you. Help to create the future of healthcare in Maricopa County, Arizona. Get involved by joining the Maricopa County Medical Society at mcmsonline.com slash join. Does your financial advisor help you pursue what matters most? With so much at stake when it comes to protecting everything you've worked so hard to achieve, it never hurts to get a second opinion about your financial future. At Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services, our approach starts by understanding your life and what you want to accomplish. Then we work together to create a framework designed to give you the confidence to do what matters most, no matter what the markets are doing. We want to help ensure you have all you need for today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. For more information about Baba Sobers Wealth Management, visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC.